0: Production support for Soundbites is made possible by listeners and by Coffee by Design, growing a business committed to community and sustainability locally and worldwide. Coffeebydesign.com.
1: Welcome to Soundbites, true stories told by local Mainers and nationally recognized storytellers. The themes are always changing, and the hosts are from all over the nation, but when you hear the name Soundbites, you're in for a unique storytelling experience. Soundbites is brought to you by Frontier Studios and made possible by the generous contributions of Allagash Brewing Company, Frontier, The Press Hotel, Toad & Co., and by the listeners of Maine Public Radio. This week's stories were told live at Frontier in Brunswick, where the event's dedicated theme was ceremonious. Here's today's host, retired talent agent and current seven-time Moth Story Slam champion, Sandy Marks.
0: My favorite holiday, I don't know about you guys, but my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. It's like the one non-sectarian holiday. Every year I make my entire family come over and I force them to tell me what they're grateful and thankful for. They don't always look thrilled, but I don't care. Deaf ears, just tell me, I need to know. And I also try to not pay attention to the fact that it's a holiday of raping and pillaging. I just ignore that part. I just like it. I like the food, I like the celebration. Okay. So this past year, the Tuesday, right before Thanksgiving, I was feeling really, I mean really crappy. I had been sick with a stomach ache and a headache and a fever for a few days, but honestly I had been feeling kind of crappy for like 20 years, <laughs> it's true. because I have lupus, which isn't really a big deal. It's like, you know, Dr. House always used to say, oh, you must have lupus. But so it's one of those chronic things. And if you have an autoimmune disease, you know, it's like, okay, it's fine. I'll put it away this week, something next week. It's like you deal with it. You know, a wheel will fall off. You'll put the wheel back on. It's not that big a deal, especially since I have a full life and a bunch of kids. And I have responsibilities. You can't get bogged down by something like a little disease like lupus. It's not that big a deal. So, but this was bad. I was feeling really crappy and my back was hurting and I just... This particular day, it was like, ugh. So I get up that morning, I go into the bathroom, and I look at myself, and my skin, it's not yellow, but it's kind of khaki. You know, (laughs) it's like one of those Crayola colors that nobody plays with, you know, you know the one. And my eyes are really muddy. I just, I look like a different person, like Sad Sandy, not the usual village idiot. So, and I, I know there's something wrong. So I sit on the toilet, and when I sit on the toilet, and I'm wearing my sweatpants, and I pull them down to go to the bathroom, and all of a sudden, I start passing out. And I'm really out of it. I don't know what's going on, but I have the presence of mind, and the ego, and the self consciousness to know that I am not going out like Elvis Presley. (laughs) No, I'm not going to be discovered by my doorman with my sweatpants around my ankles It's not going to happen. I don't want to be like Mama Cass where they're going to claim it was a ham and cheese sandwich. It's not going to happen. So I somehow, and it's probably from being a parent for so many years, I know what you're supposed to do. I put my head between my knees. I keep breathing in, out, in, out. Okay. I kind of regain my strength. I sit there for a few more minutes and I do the responsible thing that any adult is supposed to do when you're really sick and you're running a fever and you have a horrible stomach ache. You Google it, right? I mean, (laughs) makes sense. You... You take the bull by the horn. So I'm sitting there, and I'm Googling all of my symptoms. Backache, shoulder pain. I look a little khaki. And it comes up, there are two diseases that I probably have. One is gallstones, and the other is diverticulitis. Now, I don't know what really either one of them are, but they sound like something that some mad king in the 18th century would have, from, like, eating a lot of mutton or something, running around with white tights and yelling for, like, you know. So I'm impressed, I think. It's like a rich person's disease, it sounds, but I know it's, it's gotta be taken care of. And Thanksgiving is in two days, so I'm thinking, I gotta see my doctor, he'll prescribe antibiotics or something, he'll work this stuff out. So I call my doctor and he says, great, come in. Now I might add that I live in White Plains, which is in Westchester, New York, and my doctor is on the Upper East Side of Manhattan because I'm that <laughs> who thinks, that doctors are only qualified if they live within a 10 square block radius from like east 61st street to east 79th street so all of my doctors all with names like bernstein they're all on like a 10 block now i just passed out and i'm not in great shape but i'm way too cheap to call a cab oh no so i drive myself all the way to the city. I'm so sick. I'm listening to my my favorite murder, one of my favorite podcasts or something, and I drive myself in, and I'm really out of it. I park in a very expensive lot and I'm already thinking, okay, I'll see him right away. He'll give me a prescription. I'll be out before the two hours limit before you have to pay for the 24 hours. and It's already working it out. So I go in, I tell Dr. Bernstein, and he agrees. He's a genius. He says, yes, I think you're right. That sounds right. So he says, you're going to go over to Lenox Hill Hospital. You go to the emergency room, and I'm going to call Dr. Greenberg, another Jew. I don't know him. He says, I'm calling Dr. Greenberg and I'm going to tell him to meet you there. Got it. So I'm deciding, do I leave the car in the lot? It's going to go over two hours. Maybe, maybe not. I'll leave the car in the lot. So I run the eight blocks to Lenox Hill Hospital and I'm really, I'm toxic. I mean, I am always kind of toxic. I mean, you guys, some of you know me, right? But I'm really, like, toxic. So I go over there, I get to the emergency room, and there's a security guard right at the front door, and she looks like she hates her job. Of course she hates her job. Why would she like her job? And I say, hi, I'm here to see Dr. Greenberg. And she looks at me with that death stare, the one, that you know she wants to roll her eyes so hard, but she's been told before that you will be fired if you do that again. <laughs> so she doesn't do what she should do, which is like, oh, come on. And she just looks at me and she says, go there. You know, she's holding on tight. So I go in there, and there's nobody in this little area, this little reception area. And they even have a sign, like a, like a car wash. It says, we guarantee a five-minute wait. And I'm like, this is a fancy hospital. So I go to the triage nurse. I tell her my story. I tell her, Dr. Greenberg's expecting me. She puts on the arm brace. She makes sure I have the good insurance. I have the good insurance. She puts on the bracelet. She says, okay, go into that room. That's the emergency room which is now like a mass unit. I mean, there are hundreds of people and they're moaning and crying and it's very dramatic. And I'm just there to see Dr. Greenberg. I don't know what all the fuss is about. So they just say, Go take a seat, just take a seat. And they already have my number. I could tell they hate me just fine. I get it, they should hate me. So I get a seat and I'm sitting in one of these plastic, you know, all the seats are like nailed down to the floor. Like who's gonna take a you know, plastic chair? They're all nailed down. And I sit down, and you know when you sit down, one of those, everybody else is like moving around. To my right is a guy, he's like 400 pounds. And it's very disconcerting. He's obviously in a lot of pain because he's kind of mewing like a little pussycat. You know, it's so sad. And then on the left is this baby with with his mom, and he's got like the green snot happening thing. So I'm now having an anxiety attack, and I'm in the middle, and I'm thinking, okay, just take deep cleansing, Breaths, but there's nothing cleansing in my general area. I, I, I don't know what to do, so I'm just sitting there because I'm such a little princess, and I'm thinking, this is not the way it was supposed to go down. I'm just supposed to get a medication, and I'm supposed to go home. Thanksgiving in two days. So about 20 minutes pass, and I very politely say to one of the nurses, excuse me, but I'm here for Dr. Greenberg. Now, I know I've been around this game before. It got to be really nice, or they're like, I'm gonna spit in your cheeseburger. I mean, it got to be really nice, right? So I'm trying to, like, engaged. They're not having it. She's saying, I don't know who Dr. Greenberg is, just take, the-. she wants to say, seat, but she goes, just take a seat. So I, hours, it seems like hours are going by and I'm getting sicker and sicker and I have this pain on my shoulder, which I assume I'm having like a stroke. I think I'm smelling like nutmeg. I don't know. I'm like, really? <laughs> Finally, the nurse brings me in and she puts me in one of those little cubbies, you know, where they pull the curtain, like the Zara dressing room where your ass is hanging out. So she puts me in there and she does another intake, which I've already done. Stomachache, backache, and I'm running a fever. And she says, all right, you know, we're going to bring some... I said, but what about Dr. Greenberg? Because I don't know who Dr. Greenberg is, but just, like... Relax, okay. And I, meanwhile, I'm listening. To my left is this poor woman who had a terrible burn from dropping her coffee pot. It's like, oh my God. It's like fascinating to hear what's going on around you, even though. Meanwhile, I haven't told anybody in my family. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I'm there all by myself because I've been doing this for a long time. So finally, these residents come in and they take more intake. They do it again. They say, okay, we're going to give you an MRI. You got to drink this. It looks like Gatorade, but it's like gasoline and it's in a tanker. And I'm such a I say, well, can I have it on ice? And they're like, whatever, just drink the thing. So I drink it, and I'm like, and meanwhile, they have my numbers, so they're now sedating me. I know they are, they're claiming they're not, but they're sedating me. They want me to stop asking for Dr. Greenberg. So they send me in, and I get an MRI, and then they wheel me back out, and I'm kind of woozy, and then, all of a sudden, who do you think comes to my room? I'm thinking he's already like Kaiser Sose. Do you guys know the usual? Like, like, no, there is, a man comes in and on his white coat it says, Dr. Greenberg. And I'm like, finally, like, where were you? At like a tennis match. Like, what the hell? And but then I notice underneath his name it says surgery. And I'm like, oh sh-t. now I don't want to know Dr. Greenberg. And he explains to me, you have diverticulitis. I can't believe Google and me, we're like a match. He said But that's not the bad part. The bad part is you have a large tear in your large intestines, and the contents of your intestines have already left the building, meaning that I was septic, toxic, I know, you're toxic, and we need to do surgery right this minute, like right now. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I said, nobody's here. He goes, doesn't matter. You got to do it right now or you're going to die. You have to have surgery. I said, okay. So meanwhile, they send in a security guard because I don't have any family or anybody there to take my stuff. I've got a coat and jewelry and a handbag. And I had this image like, like, do you guys know where's Papa when Ruth Gordon walks around with her handbag? I'm thinking, can't I just go into surgery with a handbag on my arm? Can I just put it next? No. So the security guard comes in and he has to catalog everything in my bag. And Robin, I don't know where you, are but he obviously also loves Marie Kondo because the security guard is going through my things and he actually says why do you have an expired Lord and Taylor gift card I'm supposed to go in for surgery and he's like you know critiquing like my skills at holding a wallet together like you know it's like what anyway so finally oh my god and and I'm already panicked because nobody's there they wheel me up to the, what they call the theater. Poof, theater my ass, there's no guys and dolls. That's what they call those surgical units. And I can see it, it's right there, and I'm lying there. And Dr. Greenberg says, okay, we're gonna go in now. And he's very crafty, because he knows the IV drip's running and I'm getting Valium. He says, we're gonna go in there. I'm gonna take a foot of your intestine. Now, to me, this seems like a lot, because I'm only five feet tall. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how that, I don't know how. He says, but then he says in more of a quiet voice, when he thinks I'm not listening, and you're gonna have a colostomy. Oh yeah, 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 Now, no. I all of a sudden, I'm like one of those, in those horror movies when a dead person sits up. (laughs) And I say, no, no. I mean, I've been making the shoes and bag joke for years. You know, no, I'm the most anal retentive person. I am not wearing a bag, no. He said, yes. He says, I don't want you to die, you're going to have it. And then of course I fall back down because I'm so stoned and the next thing I know he's opening the door and it's like Dexter's playground. They have like, you know, chainsaws and hacksaws and <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on. There things that are buzzing and moving and it's freezing. It's an ice box, and I go in there and then I'm out and I'm done and I am woken up in the recovery area, and I'm completely bandaged up, and I'm so stoned on DeLaud, and I don't know what's happening, and then they put me in intensive care, which I swear to God, this room, it was like the Wendy's takeout window, so it's just me and a big window where you think people are going to place an order for like a double cheeseburger, and that's where they left me, and it was like Thanksgiving was coming, and I was still so stoned, I wasn't like really getting this yet, so all I, I made my son, who finally got there, go, and by Thanksgiving decorations and decorate the whole, my whole room, this intensive care room with like stupid pilgrims with the hats and the buckle shoes and maple leaves and shit. And I mean, I don't know what I was doing. but I And I made them go pick up the whole foods dinner that I had ordered. And I said, I wasn't eating it. I was having clear fluids. I couldn't have anything. So this is how we celebrated this Thanksgiving. And then finally, like on the fourth day, they needed to teach me about the, the, the elephant in the room. And so they show it to me, and it's called a stoma. I don't know if any of you guys know this, where they, they literally, I don't know where they pull it from, but they pull it up, and they pull it out of your stomach, and then they attach it. It looks like a red panic button, like Russia watch out kind of button. And that's what does all the work. And this is closed for business, and you're, this is it. And I was so freaked out. This was the scariest thing, and they explained to me how it worked, and they attached the Bissell vacuum cleaner bag to it, and I was going to learn how to use it. And the crazy thing is, this is how it works. If you guys don't know, I'm just going to tell you because you haven't eaten in a little while, right? So (laughs) let's say you have like a meatloaf hero or something, right? And you're loving it. It's great. It's fine. And then all of a sudden it sends a signal to the the button and your stomach goes like this. Hello. (laughs) How'd you like your meal? And then it goes into the bag. Just like that. You don't feel anything. It just You feel like you're getting heavier. And it's so freaky. I felt like a like some kind of centaur. It's like that was a half my body in the bummer. And I was so freaked out. And I kept thinking, my mom used to always say, you do everything backwards. And I wish she were alive. So I could say, guess what, babe? I am doing everything backwards. It was horrifying. So I'm in the hospital for a week. It's terribly painful, but I'm so stoned. I don't even know. And I'm so depressed and I finally get shipped home, and I have to learn how to use it, but I have a nurse who comes to the house because I don't want to go near it, and I start performing almost right away because I'm that kind of person. I've been doing crazy things for 20 years since I got sick. I thought, well, you know, a little thing here. It's what it is, and it wasn't really all that terrible because I knew it would be reversed, which I must tell you on Valentine's Day, the best gift ever, it was reversed. Thank God, because it really is not fun to deal with. Um, But it was there, and I was like the only one who had this secret power. It was like a superpower. So if I was on the elevator with you, and I knew you didn't hold that elevator, but I got on anyway, that's okay. I could just give you a little, you know? You wouldn't know, you wouldn't know where it came from. It came from me. And then I would go and do shows everywhere, and I was multitasking. I could tell you a story and be doing my business. Nobody would know. It was like, you know what? It's not that terrible. I can see why people can live with this. I didn't want to live with it, but I could see it. So I cannot wait for next Thanksgiving. A, I'm obviously alive. I'm not just a chatty apparition. I'm here. I'm telling you the story, right? I made it. And this time, when my family sits down at that Thanksgiving table, I won't have to coax them because I know every single one in my family, including me, has something to really be thankful for. Thank you. And thank you all for being here tonight. Thank you.
2: Amazing host, Sandy Marks. I'm going to tell you a little more about her. Sandy Marks is thrilled to be back in Maine at SoundBites. She's a seven-time Moth Slam champ yeah she's a fixture on the new york storytelling scene that is very true she can be heard on podcasts such as risk yums the word hot mic with dan savage and she'll be on an upcoming moth podcast as well she's the host of mistakes were made and co-host of taboo tales She's also, and this I think is the coolest thing ever, and I really, I've never been to a movie premiere, but this is the one I want to go to. She's the subject of a documentary titled The Fabulist. (laughs) That says it all. And she's moving to Brooklyn, how cool is that? Uh, And that's hopefully, the documentary is hopefully Greenpoint, if any of you know. Super cool. Um, That documentary is hopefully going to be released later this year. And last year, she was thrilled to be a part of WGBH's Stories from the Stage, which also airs on public broadcasting. If you want
1: to know more about today's storyteller, well, you're in luck. Let's join our host backstage, now in conversation with today's teller.
0: Hi, I'm Sandy Marks. Um, So what's your most favorite or least favorite thing about Maine, well, there's nothing that I would possibly say is least favorite, but my most favorite thing about Maine are the people. Because what I've noticed every time I'm here is that from the minute you land, before you even get off the plane, people wait for you to take your luggage down from those racks. Nobody's pushing, nobody's pushing you out the, the, like in the aisles. Everybody's patient. The first time I came here, I thought maybe someone, there was like something in the air ducts, like they had somehow <laughs> sedated everybody. But honestly, I've never met a person in Maine that wasn't completely adorable and lovely. So I love being here. And who would you most like to share the stage with? Well, this is a great question because I have so many people that I'm madly in love with. But right now, I'm totally fangirling on Chelsea Handler, who is a writer and a comedian who has a new book out, Life Will Be the Death of Me. And she is a genius. Um, and an amazing human being, and I completely adore her and I would wear her skin if I could, which sounds really gross and creepy, but there I said it. I'm sorry. I admitted it. All right. Now, do you listen to yourself after you've told a story? Why or why not? And if so, how soon? Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm very self-conscious about everything that I do, and I've always been that way, and I'm a pretty much a self-loather. So I don't listen right away because I always assume I did not do a good job. But then when I get a little distance from a story, you know, usually a few weeks later, then I'll go back and start dissecting it because I can learn so much from mistakes and where the beats didn't maybe work or what I thought was so fantastic and it really didn't land right and then I can rework the story in a way where the audience will understand what I'm saying sometimes it's difficult because I'm older than many of my audiences so my references might go over their head and when you have to start explaining a lot of details you can start losing an audience because they feel like you're in like a history class so I'm but I do eventually always listen uh, just to make myself better I think everybody probably should um tell us some nugget or detail that is connected to your story but won't or didn't make the final cut well my story is actually kind of uh, a bit gruesome but very funny about a recent surgery i had and i leave out um, a fairly large chunk of this story in the second half of what happens after i recover from this particular surgery because the real impact in the story and what the message that I'm really getting out to the audience tonight is really about survival and how if you have a sense of humor and you can keep your head above water, you know, you can kind of survive anything rather than what it's like to recuperate from the thing that I had to deal with. So I didn't. again, I don't want to bog down the audience with too many gory details because whatever they've consumed or drunk before they got in here might all of a sudden go north or south perhaps. Maybe south. So that's about it.
1: Soundbites is brought to you by Frontier Studios and made possible by the generous contributions of Allagash Brewing Company, Frontier, The Press Hotel, Toad & Co., and by the listeners of Maine Public Radio. Special thanks also to GWI and Downey's Pension Services. More information about Soundbites, including how to attend a live storytelling event, can be found online at soundbitesme.org. And of course, you can always hear more stories at mainepublic.org. Thanks for listening.